Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And all of God's children said, Amen. And to answer your question, no, I don't know whether Gomer in the Bible is related to me, but just thought I'd put that out there. I haven't, my genealogy, I can't figure out that far back. But that being said, we all heard the, the phrase, a picture is worth a thousand words. And I think that's partly because a lot of the pictures that we see or that we have would, would take at least a couple thousand words to explain what's going on. Every picture has a story, even if that particular story is not a good one. Sometimes by airbrushing or using Photoshop or some other software, that story in the picture can be manipulated to tell a different story. For example, if you look back at the early 20th century Soviet Union, after Leon Trotsky was excommunicated from the Communist Party, Joseph Stalin went through all the old political pictures and had Trotsky airbrushed out of any of the images where he appeared with Lenin or any of the other communist members. Or just glance at a, a magazine rack. Things are definitely not what they seem there. In 2005, after being released from prison, Martha Stewart made the cover of Newsweek. The caption on the cover read, she's thinner, wealthy, and ready for prime time. The only problem was that she didn't look thinner. So her face was photoshopped onto a slimmer woman's body on the cover. It doesn't take much to realize that we are all really into photography these days. With our cell phones, we're capturing more images and videos ever than before. The type of videos and pictures that we are getting on those phones used to take high-priced video equipment or high-priced cameras to, to capture those. We do love taking and, and looking at pictures, though. So much so that one author, Mark Michelson, put a book together of all kinds of pictures. But these were not just any pictures. His book is entitled, Least Wanted, A Century of American Mugshots. That's right, the book is filled with mugshots. He uses them to, to kind of show as a pop art, if you will. And the book contains hundreds of police images of unknown criminal, criminals guilty of whatever crimes you don't know about. We're left to imagine the thousand words behind one particular mugshot. One can even head to his photo sharing site to, to share guesses as to the crimes committed by some of the mugshots in that book. Michelson suggests that one of the most appealing aspects of the mugshot is that things actually are as they seem in those pictures. There's no editing, there's no airbrushing, the only thing that may be added is a prisoner number. Mugshots show people at their worst, their most dishonest moments. They are authentic images of difficult stories. People at their lowest. They show an unaltered reality. And with that in mind, our scripture from Hosea comes to us. It's, it's like a mugshot book, if you will, with its own authentic images and hard luck stories. Pictures of a people telling the story of God's people at their lowest. Within those pictures and stories, we have Hosea and his wife and kids, and they've got to be the most dysfunctional family in the world. They make the Kardashians look like religious fanatics. And yet, that's kind of the point. God is, is quite quick to admit that the relationship between God and God's people in Israel 
has become totally dysfunctional. And God is ready to throw in the towel. Over the last two weeks, I preached on Amos, and we heard the same thing from Amos in his visions, especially at the end with the summer fruit. But Hosea is invited to demonstrate just how bad the relationship has gotten between God and the people. The whole chapter reads pretty quickly and details about the characters that are almost as simple as the backstory of Michelson's mugshots. But each snapshot in the lineup tells a, a piece of the story about God and the people of Israel. And while there's a debate that some people understand Hosea more as a narrative or not very historical, more fictitious and symbolic, I don't want you to let the interpretation distract you from the story and meaning for Israel then and for you and I right now. If we take a look at the mugshots in this particular story of Hosea, we start with Hosea. He's commanded to marry a wife of ill repute, promiscuous, adulterous. I mean, think of the media frenzy that would descend upon this story if you read about a pastor and it says, preacher marries prostitute. It's said that while clergy lifestyle scandals have become cliche in our news, nobody's reporting on Hosea-like faithfulness of the people doing ministry, not just clergy, but lay people as well. One picture tells two stories here. Hosea's marriage is a narrative of God's fidelity, sticking with Israel, and so then it's a marriage that describes our relationship with God, God's fidelity with you and I today. The prophet embodied his own message, sending a picture of God's undeserved goodness and infinite patience. This snapshot of Hosea reminds us of who God is. God is a patient life mate who endures with grace in all matter of infidelity that's going against God. But the image of Hosea models something of God's people as well. Simple obedience. Notice verse 3 doesn't say that Hosea thought about marrying Gomer or, or prayed about it or consulted the wisdom of others or the elders or complained to God and, or then went out and find himself his own more appropriate wife. It plainly says he went and took Gomer as his wife. What bounds does our obedience have? Does it stop at some point? Will we lay down future dreams for the kingdom to follow God? Will we, we move to a country to serve God? Will we give more than feels comfortable? Will we purchase based on needs rather than wants? Will we seek relationship with hard-to-love people? So that's the first mugshot, the mugshot of Hosea. The next one we meet is of Gomer. And this particular mugshot can be convicting Gomer has spent her life sleeping around, always seeking comfort and fulfillment in the relationships with men. Now married to Hosea, she continues to do the same thing. She goes outside of a relationship of the covenant of commitment, love, and acceptance with Hosea and seeks fulfillment through false promises and false satisfaction. Gomer is the mugshot of Israel. Israel is guilty of idolatry by allowing anything else in life to, to come before worship of God, which should be the first priority. But here's the rub with this particular message from Hosea. For hearers then and now, we are supposed to find ourselves in the life of Gomer, 
We have to take a hard look at this image. We're so uncomfortable with the concept of prostitution that we can hardly see ourselves in her portrait. We read and hear the words, adulterous, prostitute, and we cringe when we hear them. But the image cannot and should not be avoided. It shouldn't be sanitized. We shouldn't airbrush it out of the scripture. We have to look at what she has done and ask ourselves, how are we giving ourselves away to the world that's around us? How are we being idolatrous in, in our spending, in our priority on our image? In what we allow into our minds? In too many hours given to careers? In striving to keep up with the Joneses? God's faithfulness cannot be understood without recognizing our own unfaithfulness to God. I know it's hard to do that through the picture of Gomer, but it's healthy. Healthy for us to see our sin and idolatry as it relates to us in, in the words of Scripture. We need to see it as a, a marital violation when we do these things of the covenant to be faithful to God. The third name we hear in this is Jezreel, another mugshot. The children of this union are now identified in becoming warnings of impending judgment on Israel. God, Jezreel means God sows or God scatters. Jezreel's portrait is of a, a gruesome murders by King Jehu in the valley of Jezreel. The sun is a warning to the kings and, Israel, of kings and rulers of Israel that God will bring an end to their reign and power because of the violence that they have committed. But for you and I today, this picture is a sobering reminder that sometimes we need to remember that God knows. God doesn't forget. Sure, we've made the mistake, and sin can carry painful consequences and repercussions. We can't think that our irresponsible actions and behavior are something that we just get away with, or that we don't have consequences from turning away from God. The choices we make will turn us away from God. They have consequences tied to them. The more we do, the further away we go from God, the more lost we become. They lead us down a path which can destroy our very lives. The other name we come upon for a mugshot is Lo, oh, you said it better than I did, Gary. I struggled with this. <laughs> Lo Ruhama, the daughter. Her name means not loved. Not loved. Imagine finding out what your name really means. Imagine this child finding out what her name means and then being reminded of it every time it's said by someone around her. God will be merciful towards Judah in the south but will not show love towards Israel in the north. This picture of God sometimes seems impulsive and unfair, especially to those who are new to the faith. But we're reminded again of the elements of God's true character. While Judah received mercy for a while, it wasn't because Judah was deserving of it. It was because of God's nature of being gracious. Grace is undeserved favor. Undeserved favor. The truth is, we always get this undeserved favor from God, even when we don't deserve it at all. Our next mugshot is about Lo Ami, the second born 
second son. And the name means not my people. I guess if you're going to choose which name you get, this would be the better one, right? As opposed to not loved. This image, this picture of this child shows a God that has limits. God calls his chosen people, not my people. And he says, I'm not your God anymore. God, in a sense, gives up like he did in Amos, throws up his hands in despair, as it were, not willing to force anyone to love him or to be in covenant with him. So God then honors our choice to ignore God. Paul Shepard, in his novel, More Like Not Running Away, shares a a scripture from Isaiah 54. He puts it at the beginning of his book, and it says, For a mere moment I have forsaken you, but with great mercies I will gather you. With a little wrath I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness I will have mercy on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. What's striking about that verse from Isaiah is that God actually admits that at one time he hid his face. He disowned the people. He hid his face from us. We like to think that forsaking us is not something God ever did, does, or would ever do. But God did. God hid his face from God's people. These last three mugshots tell the story not only of our forsaking God, but of God forsaking us. But the story does not end there with these difficult, sad mugshots. Notice again in the words from Isaiah, with great mercies, I will gather you. With everlasting kindness, I will have mercy on you. God, like a parent, got angry and frustrated with his children and for a while didn't talk to them. But says, I will gather you. I will have mercy on you. God turns his face towards all of us to extend a hand of mercy and grace and forgiveness that we can come home again. And we can come home and be what First Peter tells us, that you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. First Peter gives us a different set of mugshots, if you will, of lo ruhama or lo ami. But they look completely different. Through Peter, we read these. They're not photoshopped. They are grace-shopped. Using the names of the children, we could say, once you were lo ruhama, not loved. Now you are ruhama, loved. Once you were low Ami, now you are Ami. Remember, over the last two weeks I shared that in Scripture, some of the words sound the same, but within those words is that you are my children, or you are loved. When you take the low off of both of them, it says something completely different. Once you were not loved, but now you are loved. Once you were not a people, but now you are my people again. The rock band U2 has a song they sing called Grace. And I think it echoes the message of Hosea for us today. What once was hurt 
What once was friction, what left the mark no longer stings because grace makes beauty out of ugly things. Grace makes beauty out of ugly things. When we hear the story of Hosea and what he went through with his message, clearly what God was trying to do through Hosea was make, give grace and make beauty out of the ugliness of sin and the need for repentance made the beauty. Hosea's story would seem to have ended. But we hear it gets started again when you read the, the words of chapter 3, and I encourage you to look at this after you go home today. The Lord said to me, go show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. God is telling Hosea, go back. Love her. Love her as you should, even though she's not loving you, because that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do that with the people of Israel. Love her as I love the people of Israel, even though they're turning away from me in, in droves, even though they're doing these other things. I still love them. Our response, hearing God's grace making beauty out of all that we've done, is an honest confession that sin can mess a whole lot of stuff up. Sin can turn us away from God so far that we don't even know which way is up. But when we're honest with ourselves, God appears. God reaches out a hand and offers grace, making beauty out of what we've messed up. So what we need to do is have trust and hope as we cling to a God who calls us children of the living God. We need to remember that there's there's image altering that isn't manipulative like the magazine covers. God in Christ is ever altering the image of those who love him. Drawing the image of God within us so that all might see in everything we say, in everything we do, that we are seen inwardly and outwardly as a fuller expression of the image of Christ. And for all of this, for allowing us to be a God, to, to allow God to be in our lives so that we can have the second, third, fourth, fifth chances. We need to thank God for that grace, for that forgiveness, and certainly for patience. Because all of this could have ended a long time ago in a completely different way. But because of Jesus Christ, we have a way that we can come home and find a new way to live. Amen.